Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Brain Food Podcast. I am Casey Thomas and today I want to talk to you about a research study that isn't really nutrition related at all, but I came across it during my own research when I was doing my thesis. And I think it's just super fascinating and very relevant to what we've been talking about here. So I figured I would share it with you. But before I do, if you can, please be sure and leave me a rating and review. I love to hear what you guys are thinking about these episodes. And please also subscribe so that way you will be the first to know when future episodes are coming on out. And with that out of the way, let's get right into it. Now, this study was by Jagi in 2008. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that, if I'm honest. (laughs) It's spelled J-A-E-G-G-I. And what they were doing is they were trying to find a brain game that transferred over to fluid intelligence. So let me give you a little bit of background into this topic. So first off, fluid intelligence, what this does is it allows us to adapt our thinking or our cognitive processes to new problems and situations. It is incredibly useful. It's usually associated more strongly with younger individuals. Younger individuals tend to have a very high fluid intelligence. And this is in contrast to a different kind of intelligence, which we call crystallized intelligence. And usually older individuals have this crystallized intelligence. And what this is, is simply how much you know. So you know something, and it's just experiential at that point. It's just part of the, you know, the server. It's part of the database. Um, and these two different kinds of intelligence, you need both of them. You need to know things, but you also need to be able to apply those uh, bits of information and that memory and use it towards new problems and situations. You do need both. But fluid intelligence is really interesting because it has been shown to predict both professional and educational success. And there are data showing that fluid intelligence is somewhat hereditary. Okay, so you might get good fluid intelligence from mom and dad. As far as this field goes, you know, there's been a lot of research into what can we do to boost fluid intelligence because we want to have more successful people, right? There's a huge market for this. And so the smart drug industry, they've been (laughs) spending millions and millions of dollars trying to find smart drugs that can boost fluid intelligence. um, And they haven't been able to come up with anything that fits the bill. Um, They've been all massive failures as far as that is concerned. The only smart drugs that are out there um, that do anything, all they do is enhance tiny isolated characteristics of fluid intelligence, um, but never you know, this big improvement in overall fluid intelligence. And because of their failures, we started looking at other ways to maybe train and boost fluid intelligence through either, you know, education or through games or activities or tasks. I'm sure you've seen probably in the last couple decades or so, there's been a whole suite of brain games and they make all sorts of different claims okay um you know this will boost your iq this is going to help your your kid get into mensa this is gonna you know this and that stuff right the disappointing thing is that none of these brain games have actually any evidence supporting that they do enhance fluid intelligence the consensus is that for each of these specific games the only thing that they're really boosting 
is performance on that specific task. So you get better at the particular game and that's it. Okay. That's cool if you care about that particular game. I don't know um, if that's too helpful, you know, if you're doing a little crossword or a, a little puzzle teaser. And it does not transfer over to other areas, which is the whole point of it, which is what we wanted, right? We wanted to train this one game and have it improve other aspects of our life. The other thing that it's been shown to help out with, so it enhances performance in that very specific task, but it also has been shown to help out with focus and attention. Um, and that's because you have to focus on those games. And so if you were previously not really acclimated to focusing that hard for an extended duration, uh, focusing on these games has been shown to boost your focus ability. The other thing which is trainable is the fluid intelligence test themselves. So we have these tests that measure fluid intelligence. If you want to game the system a little bit, just keep taking fluid intelligence tests and you're eventually going to get better at those fluid intelligence tests because you're going to learn how those tests operate. And so you'll boost performance on it, but it hasn't actually boosted your fluid intelligence. It's only improved your ability to take that test. And so that's a big problem. You cannot transfer any of these skills to other areas. Okay, it's only been shown to help in these isolated instances. I know I said that a bunch of times, but I need you to understand that. So going back to the field of, uh, you know, cognitive development, there is speculation and a hypothesis that there is a relationship between working memory and fluid intelligence. The two are somewhat related. So fluid intelligence, as I said, it's how to use data and apply it to new situations and new problems. Working memory, as I've mentioned before, is what we use when we're trying to work on tasks right now, right in front of us, and they are on the top of our brain. Okay, this is not long-term memory. This is not even short-term memory. This is what am I doing right now? What information do I need to take into account right now to be able to process and do the task in front of me? So the two are somewhat related in that, you know, you're trying to apply information to new situations and come up with solutions. The other interesting thing is that when you look at a brain scan, you see that the two measures, you know, either working memory or fluid intelligence, they actually do rely on the same neural networks. Okay, so there's a hypothesis that if you can boost working memory, that you can also boost fluid intelligence. That's what these researchers uh, came to the conclusion. And so here's what they did. They wanted to do a task that involved heavily on working memory and see if that transferred over to improvements in fluid intelligence. So what they did was they had participants train in a particular brain game. And the brain game that they used is a modification of what they call an N-back test. And so an N-back test, N is in the letter N, is... N can be any number. So it can be like a one back test, it can be a two back test, three back test, four back test, and so on. The traditional N back test, what it is, is they will present to you just a string of visual cues, usually visual cues. So maybe it's like a fish, and then it's a pencil, and then it's a book, and then it's a fish, and then it's a car, and then it's a fish, and then, you know, it's, it's uh, an apple. So it, it kind of just goes on like this, right? It, it, it shows you a visual cue uh, maybe once every half second or so, so it goes kind of fast. And what your job is to do is to click the mouse as fast as you can when the item that's in front of you 
matches the item from, say, two items ago, if it was a two-back test. So let's say you had fish, pencil, fish. Okay, so if that was a two-back test, then when the fish came up the second time, because it was two items ago, you click as fast as you can. If it doesn't match, you don't need to click. So that's the traditional NBAC test. And what you can see is that it gets quickly <laughs> demanding the higher the number goes, right? Can you imagine trying to remember nine items ago, the sequence, and get really good at that? So you have to continually keep a string of nine items in your memory and then press as fast as you can. So it gets difficult, okay? So that that is a, me that is a working memory task. The dual NBAC is it combines that NBAC with a simultaneous presentation of an auditory NBAC. So the first one was a visual cue, and you can also have an auditory NBAC test, okay? So where they pre present a particular tone or a sound. So if they said the letter C, for example, if they said CPC, okay, you would have to remember that C was called to items ago, and then you would click as fast as you can. Again, very difficult the, the higher the number, the higher the end back goes. So trying to remember these auditory cues as well. And so the dual end back, it actually presents two different things. Okay, so it would say the letter C and it would show a fish. And then the next time it might say P and a pencil, and then it might do C and a fish again. And so in that instance, you would have to click and you would have to remember both that the fish was presented two items ago and that the letter C was presented two items ago. It's actually incredibly difficult. Um, I've tried this and um, it, it's really tough to do. It's really tough to do to remember both visual cues and auditory cues at the exact same time. Um, the, the higher the number goes up, it almost becomes impossible. I don't know how people can get good at this, but apparently some people do get good at this. Um, and maybe I just need to train it more. So, okay, so that's what the dual NBAC test is, okay? It's it's two different NBACs presented simultaneously. So um, the last thing that I'll say about this test is that the NBAC, the number of the N, changes based on your performance for these training sessions. So you might develop specific strategies for recognizing, say, an item presented two items ago. Okay, or you might get really good at recognizing items three items ago. Okay, your brain might develop a trick for memorizing um, how that, that happens. And the variable dual NBAC, what it does is it will scale how many, the number N based off of your performance. So if you're doing really bad, it's going to drop it down from, say, a three to a two. If you're doing really good, it's going to kick it up from a three to a four and then to a five and so on. So it's going to scale based off of what you're doing. So it's always changing. So in the middle of the task, it might be like, oh, now you have to remember two ago. Oh, now you have to remember three ago. Okay. So it makes it even more complicated. All right. So here's what the researchers did. So now that you kind of have that grounding in what the test looks like, the researchers, they did a pretest on fluid intelligence. Then they trained everybody with the brain game, with the variable dual and back test. And then they did a post-test on fluid intelligence. All right. They also had a control group, which basically did a pre and a post test without any training whatsoever. The people trained for anywhere from eight to 19 sessions, and each session was about 25 minutes in a given day.
And the really awesome thing about this study was that they showed that there was a linear improvement in fluid intelligence based on the amount of training sessions they had in this particular task. Linear, which is awesome. And it capped out, okay? They don't know. It could have just kept going and going and going. If they kept training this, their fluid intelligence could have just gone off the charts. There was no end in sight with the 19 sessions, okay? It just stayed linear. There was no tapering off. And what's even more interesting about this study is that your starting level of fluid intelligence had no impact on how much improvements you saw. And what I mean by that is, you know, if typically in other tasks, if you're starting out at a very high level, it's harder to improve than if you are a total beginner. Total beginners see massive improvements in other fields and other domains, and advanced people don't. It's the same thing with physical activity. Okay, if you're an advanced trainer, it's very difficult to improve your strength. But if you're a total noob, then it's very easy to improve your strength. So what they saw was people who had bad starting fluid intelligence, they improved just the same amount as people who had very high fluid intelligences. I think that's amazing because it means even if you're already you know, very savvy, uh, very high fluid intelligence, you can just keep seeing gains. And we don't know where this uh, tops off. So there was a dose response improvement. This was the very first study to show that training one particular task could improve other aspects and other domains. And that's exactly what the entire field of the brain games is kind of going after, but it's not really talked about. So if you want to improve your fluid intelligence, my recommendation is to go to, you know, some of those brain game websites. I think the one that I was using was called Cognitive Fun. Um, they have all sorts of brain games on there. there. There's all sorts of websites, so feel free to go to whatever one you want. Given the importance, though, of fluid intelligence, I need to say this again, the importance of fluid intelligence on improving everyday life and also its ability to predict success both professionally and intellectually, I think this is something that we should be working into our education systems. I think this is something that we should be working to incorporate into our daily, everyday lives. Um, you care about brain performance or you would not be listening to this. So give it a shot, try it out, and let me know how it goes. All right. So with that, I will leave you today. Thank you for listening. I hope you thought this was a little bit interesting. This was a big paper in the field. It's the first scientifically validated brain game that I've ever come across. And all the other stuff is just hype. So um, I wish this had more media attention and press than it did. <laughs> um, it seems that this kind of got buried a little bit, but I wanted to share it with you because it is a little uh, golden nugget that I have found over my time investigating brain performance. Um, so let me know what you thought. Please leave me a rating and review. Um, if you want to see more of these kinds of research reviews and maybe into other areas that aren't strictly nutrition related, please feel free to let me know. Also, please subscribe. I have so much more in store for you. I really do. With that, I'm out of here. Take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.